Yesterday, stranger number 15 told me that her and her ex-husband were sleeping in separate beds in separate rooms. It just worked for them. I had friends of mine that after getting remarried decided instead of actually moving in with each other, they're going to keep their own separate places. And they were one of the happiest couples I ever met. So it made me wonder why people don't do things differently that might work for them and their own partner. Why do we just keep doing the same type of traditions that everybody else has done before us? Today on the pod, I asked this of my friend matchmaker Maria, who's been a professional matchmaker in New York for over 10 years and is the host of the brilliant Ask a Matchmaker podcast, which, full disclosure, my production company produces, so I'm kind of biased. She shares the five categories of long-term compatibility, and she shares some unique insight into what women have been saying is really important now when it comes to relationship compatibility. Whether you're single, dating, or married, grab some paper and a pen, you're going to want to take some notes. Hi, I'm Matt Hayes, and welcome to another edition of Meet a Stranger. Matchmaker Maria, welcome to Meet a Stranger. Thank you for having me. In yesterday's podcast, the woman I was talking to that went through a divorce said at the end of the conversation something that really struck me about how her and her husband at the time when they divorced slept in separate bedrooms. They both realized that they have their own sleeping habits. They like different styles of bed and all. And that made all the difference. If one was a snorer, one is not, they might, one or the other might wake up cranky, which then affects the relationship for the rest of the day. So it made me wonder how many of these kind of traditional norms that, you know, we were taught from our parents and our parents were taught by their parents in this traditional way of a relationship and the path you go through that if we maybe make some changes that fit more of who we are individually, that could actually really save more relationships than we realize. Uh, I think you just said the conclusion. I think we're done. Wrap it up. So, you know, why do you think that a couple should sleep in the same bed? Who taught you, you, Matt, that you should sleep in the same bed? Television, seeing my parents do it, seeing everybody else just do it. It's just what you do. Right. And I'm actually going to share with you that I actually come from a family where that was not the case. Mm. Um, my parents have always slept in separate bedrooms. And my sister and I, both respectively married to our husbands, the fact that we sleep with our husbands in the same bed is actually untraditional. It's not what we were uh -huh. taught. Right. So I guess this goes back to like the foundational question of what I'm trying to say is like, how do we learn how to act in a relationship? Mm. And you're right. Some of that has to do with media. Absolutely. Te television, um, movies, they certainly impact what how we might operate in a relationship and it also normalizes certain things. But at the same time, your parents their behavior, or even lack of cooperation for many families, right? Because there's a lot of families where you never even saw another parent in the house. It was just one parent sleeping alone by themselves in their room. The other parent is absent, right? Mm -hmm. So those are our first teachers of what it's like to be in a relationship. For those that were taught a certain way then might see, hear a story like that or hear the story from yesterday and think, you know what, I'm, there might be some changes I can make with my spouse that would make it better. And we're not making the changes because we. it's not that we don't love each other. I don't want to be around you. It's I need to have more of my own space so I can give more of myself to you. How do you approach your significant other and have that type of conversation? I think long-term compatibility, it falls under five things, right? It falls under spiritual compatibility, intellectual compatibility, emotional compatibility, financial compatibility, and physical compatibility. And when we talk about physical compatibility, yes, some of that is about sex. Some of that is also about PDA. Some of that is about how present you are in a physical capacity. For some people, they might define that even as like their health or their active lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And for other people, it might also be 
what is your physical behavior around me? How do we cooperate with each other in our shared physical space? Some people might say, oh, my husband has a man cave or my wife has a she shed, right? Mm -hmm. We, in our physical compatibility, we have given each other personal space that's not shared. And for other people, the more traditional shared room, the bedroom that has been separated. And in fact, many couples uh, I've come to find out also have different apartments. There yeah. are many long-term partners that are very happy with each other who live in separate apartments. And you see that physical compatibility has a massive range because ultimately you have to find someone who cares about that sort of compatibility with you in the same vein, right? So if you're the kind of person who absolutely insists on sleeping in the same bedroom with the person that you're with, then you have to find someone who also wants to share that and make sacrifices to that, right? So for instance, I'm one of those people, even though I didn't grow up in a household, seeing my parents, you know, share a same bedroom, <laughs> forget the bed, share the same bedroom. In growing up, I remember thinking, well, I want to share a bed with someone. And I remember I was dating someone in my early 20s who he also grew up in a house where the parents slept in separate beds. He wanted that as well. He wanted to be separate beds. And it was very upsetting for me. Um, I did not want that when we were together. I always wanted us to sleep together. I know I snore. My husband says I don't, but I think he's just trying to save my ego. But I know I snore. And that ex-boyfriend, he wouldn't help me with the compromise, right? He would tell me, you snore, I can't sleep. Like there was no way to like remedy the situation because I can't control how I'm snoring when I'm sleeping. So I always felt this immense guilt in sleep, right? I'm keeping someone up. But then I met my husband who also, he grew up in a house where his parents sleep together. And I don't know if he ever thought of it as being important. That's just what he's emulating, right? What you see on TV, his parents are doing. So this is normal to him. When we slept together, it was really important to him that we sleep together. But then he got headphones. Then I learned, you know, what I need to do surgically to help remedy the situation. And so that way we can share that space together. So to go back to my, you know, I'm giving you now anecdotal personal evidence, but I think when we're talking about expectations, it's really important to find someone who either shares in some of those expectations or you're both able to meet halfway. <laughs> I wouldn't advise someone who wants their personal space at night to be with someone who doesn't want that. They want to share that space. You're going to have, there's going to have to be some sort of compromise. And like I said, compatibility physically, that's just one of five major pillars of long-term compatibility that I see as a professional matchmaker. You've interviewed thousands of people over your 10 plus years as a career as a professional matchmaker. Are there any of these type of things that come that you hear about kind of either non-negotiables or something unique that's important to them as a boundary? Like, is there anything that you see more and more of anymore? Or is there anything that you've heard that just is very unique of what somebody would really require from a partner to find that compatibility? You know, more and more studies are coming out that women would rather be single than be in a relationship with someone who is not emotionally checking in with themselves. Emotional resilience is something that has become incredibly important to one gender. I would tell any men who are not in therapy, go to therapy. But also if you are in therapy, share that on dates with women, because that's what women are now looking for. Something that fundamentally shifted in the pandemic is that women caught up on all of their dating and relationship reading. They know what attachment issues are. They are refocusing on fixing their issues, their inner child, and they expect you to also do the work. So 
studies are showing now and, um, you know, the match group study, the Pew research center, um, they're showing that women would rather be single than be with a man who is emotionally unavailable to the standard, to the, a very reasonable standard, right? Which is, Hey, we've been dating for two months. Am I your girlfriend? And if it's like, Oh, I don't know if I believe in titles or let's just see where this goes. You know, she's like, all right, well, if it's not it, I'm going to move on. You're confusing me. I'm not going to maintain the situation ship for what it is. I think, you know, when you're saying like, what do you see more? I see this more. Mm. I see less post pandemic, post 2020, let's say I see less physical needs being asked for and more emotional needs becoming deal breakers. Matchmaker Maria, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I apologize for my voice. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. I love that. And I'm hoping that after that chat, you're able to take a few minutes sometime today and think about your own relationships and think about what's important to you and to my fellow men. The more time you put into yourself, the more time you do the work to be that best authentic person you can be, the more time that you truly connect with yourself, the better you're going to be able to connect to someone in a relationship. I know it's not something that is easily discussed among men, but it's time. And honestly, the world needs it from us. Thanks again, Maria. And you can catch new episodes of the Ask a Matchmaker podcast every Tuesday. Links to those and her Instagram are in the show notes. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to Meet a Stranger this week. I really appreciate it. You can find me on all those evil social media channels as well, at Go Meet a Stranger and at Matt Hayes. Find those links in the show notes as well. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you Monday. I'm Matt Hayes. Onward. Onward.